The Way Out Podcast, episode 173. If you want to understand ego, understand that ego is how we view ourselves. It's what we think of ourselves. And it is the filter through how we experience everything in life. How we view the present, past, and future changes depending on the state of our ego. Ego is intrinsically tied to our self-esteem. Ego is definitely a dual-edged sword. In that, a healthy and balanced ego can be the key to happiness or the absence of suffering. But an ego that is out of whack, either too low or too high, causes us suffering. A traditional Buddhist belief is that all suffering arises from self or ego and is a fundamental block to enlightenment. Getting out of self then is not only a fundamental Buddhist tenet, but that of most spiritual and wisdom traditions. Ultimately, a spiritual awakening is fundamentally tied to the right-sizing of our egos vis-a-vis humility and gratitude. Humility and gratitude are only attainable and sustainable in my personal experience through a higher power and are indeed the antidote to egoism and self-centeredness. The ego wants and demands more of everything, feeds off of fear and insecurity, and arises out of self and invariably, despite sporadic and momentary pleasure, ultimately results in pain, misery, and suffering. Gratitude and humility arise out of and separate us from our egos and are attained through a higher power and produce enduring contentment and serenity. So we become more other-focused rather than self-absorbed to the extreme. The worse I felt about myself, the more I attempted to come off as perfect, powerful, superior. I needed that to offset how awful I felt about myself. And that does absolutely define the egomaniac with the inferiority complex. Right. Right. Because in secret, you're broken, but in like maybe it's work, or for an example, it's work that you feel like you're the best there, and they that place will fall apart without you. Totally. And and so you start, you know, treating people at work like shit, and and you you get your nose in the air, and you're talking down to people because you're so much better than them and they need to hear it right because that's the only way they're going to get better and you know you're just like you're doing yourself, a favor treating too, these right? people yeah. like shit you know and and then yeah you go when you're alone you're just like i'm a piece of shit you know but nobody knows that and you know that's how i think how workaholics are born it's like the only like escape from the real core issues that people have sometimes is that role they get to play at work or or when they're with this particular group of people or whatever it might be. You know? And it was interesting often in those moments, Jason, when it was just me within my own thoughts, I would think if they really knew what a piece of I was, if they really knew that I went home and got completely obliterated every night, they really knew that it was, it's only a matter of time before I go on another bender and right. Lord knows what happens. They really knew that I, 
you know, racked up X amount of DWIs or whatever it is, right? So, uh, and those are the those are the things that the, this house cleaning that the big book talked about into into action steps four and five, right? It really releases us and frees us from that if they really knew who I really was. Fear. Welcome, way out faithful and first timers, to this week's installment of the Way Out Podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out Podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out Podcast partners with All Recovery Rings and AllRecoveryRings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's allrecoveryrings.com. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Every week, we'll be asking for your thoughts on next week's topic. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Finally, a word of caution. This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. Along with Jason, I'm Charlie, and this week is all about ourselves. Well, to be precise, it's all about self, which is to say, our egos. Ego is central to who we are as individuals and is the lens in which we view ourselves, others, and the outside world through. The state of our egos has a whole lot to do with how we treat ourselves and others, and when our egos are out of whack, our sobriety is too. We'll do our level best to define ego and how it affects us in recovery without going into the proverbial weeds or going down too many rabbit holes which when we're talking about a subject such as ego is certainly easier said than done. We'll provide you with helpful insight and strategies to keep the old ego your amigo and ensure it doesn't get too high or too low. Plus, we'll share feedback from the sober and serious community and take your calls. So listen up. Jason. What's up, everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Whale Podcast, brother. We're talking all about ego in recovery (laughs) yikes that is a really great way to respond (laughs) to this subject it 
It's it, <laughs> we're gonna get into some really interesting stuff. Off the top, I think the best thing that we can do for all of you in Way Out Podcast land is to give you a good working definition of what ego is and how it relates to recovery. So right. according to the Googles, ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Some similar words are self-esteem, self-importance, as, it, as we just heard, self-worth, self-respect, self-conceit. Now, interesting, and we'll touch on this a little bit later in the show, the synonyms to ego cut both ways in terms of positively and kind of negative connotations. So keep that in mind as we walk through this and walk through ego as it relates to recovery, because certainly uh, we're going to touch on both the positive and negative aspects of ego. Now, the Googles also kind of broke down ego from a definition standpoint into a psychoanalysis and then philosophy definitions. So the psychological definition of ego is the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, if you didn't get all that, that's okay. Because we're going to, again, we're going to walk through this ego. We can get into the weeds and we're going to try not to, in terms of defining this and getting a good working definition is in terms of ego and how it relates to recovery. If you do a Google search on ego, you could lose legitimately, I bet a fiscal quarter, you know, um, of your life, just um, (laughs) spiraling down the, um, the ego rabbit hole. We don't want to do that today. No. We want to give you a a good idea and a good understanding of what ego is, how it relates to us both negatively and positively, and how we can ensure that our our ego is healthy, right? And so that's really the goal here is so that you have a better understanding of what it is and how to ensure that uh, your ego isn't working against you in your recovery. Right. The philosophical definition of ego is a <laughs> conscious thinking subject. And again, I can't think of an, a more abstract way <laughs> to define that. So ego is really how we view ourselves. Everything we experience is filtered through our ego. How we view the present, past, and future changes depending on the state of our ego. Ego is intrinsically tied to our self-esteem. Ego is definitely a dual-edged sword. In that, a healthy and balanced ego can be the key to happiness or the absence of suffering. But an ego that is out of whack, either too low or too high, causes us suffering. A traditional Buddhist belief is that all suffering arises from self or ego and is a fundamental block to enlightenment. 
getting out of self then is not only a fundamental Buddhist tenet, but that of most spiritual and wisdom traditions. Mm. Ultimately, a spiritual awakening is fundamentally tied to the right-sizing of our egos vis-a-vis humility and gratitude. Humility and gratitude are only attainable and sustainable in my personal experience through a higher power and are indeed the antidote to egoism and self-centeredness. The ego wants and demands more of everything, feeds off of fear and insecurity, and arises out of self and invariably, despite sporadic and momentary pleasure, ultimately results in pain, misery, and suffering. Gratitude and humility arise out of and separate, separate us from our egos and are attained through a higher power and produce enduring contentment and serenity. So we become more other-focused rather than self-absorbed to the extreme. Right. So that's the way I want to frame ego in context of our day-to-day recovery is that if you if you want to get if you want to understand ego understand that ego is how we view ourselves it's what we think of ourselves and it is the filter through how we experience everything in life is filtered through our ego right so if i have a overinflated ego right then everything that i experience is going to be viewed through that prism for example, my boss comes up to me and says, great job. You're doing a great job. An overinflated ego might respond with, fucking ain't right, I'm doing a great job. It's about <laughs> fucking time you notice too, right? And yeah. the rest of these jackholes should be doing as good a job as me, but they're not. Right. A underinflated <laughs> ego or a or low self-esteem, right? A low ego might respond to that and say, I don't really believe he means that. Mm. I don't believe he believes that. I think he's just saying that. Nobody believes that. I'm worthless. Right. I guess I always kind of look at ego, the word, and and I think that's a, like an extreme... Or, or an excessive amount of pride in oneself, uh, you know, to to think that you're you're superior to others, um, things like that, you know. And my that's shit, the classic definition. My shit of, don't stink. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. And that's but, the classic definition of ego because we right. we associate it with egotistical. Right, but then like the way that you're presenting this is more like everybody has an ego. It's just, is it inflated or is it deflated or is it right-sized? That's right. Right? That's correct. So everybody like has an ego. So even if I'm in my pity pot and feeling worthless and like I never do anything good enough, like that's still a form of ego. Absolutely it's, it is. It's just the extreme like opposite of I'm the shit, I'm better than everybody else. You know, and alcoholics and addicts often suffer mm. from the um, being egomaniacs with an inferiority <laughs> complex. So figure that out, right? But because we're means, complicated, bro. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. 
but even this inferiority complex or chronic low self-esteem is a inverse egotistical or egoism right 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 if my boss says good job and i blush and say thank you maybe i have a healthier ego right right so the big book of alcoholics anonymous mentions ego or a form of ego how many times do you think jason ooh i don't know maybe 20 times so in the basic text the first 164 pages only seven times but again think about the way bill writes and how he uses different words for the same thing over and over you know so right. he doesn't use the same words often over and over again. He uses different words to say the same thing. So it's right. actually expressed a lot more than it's actually said, but seven times, right? Okay. And the first time it shows up is in how it works on page 60. And it, and it goes like this. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. (laughs) If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he might be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as, in, as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well he begins to think life doesn't treat him right he decides to exert himself more he becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be still the play does not suit him admitting he may be somewhat at fault he is sure that other people are more to blame he becomes (laughs) angry indignant self-pitying what is his basic trouble Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? (laughs) Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not? even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He is like the retired businessman who lolls in the Florida sunshine in the winter complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are all who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations, 
are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some point in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will-run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us have had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. (laughs) Yeah. That passage really does a great job of putting in context ego in terms of the alcoholic and the addict and how are the the self will run riot really affected us and others to a point that um caused tremendous uh uh individual personal harm but harm to others as well right i mean it it points out that it caused the guy to overexert himself. It points out that it caused the guy to get frustrated with everybody around him, to blame others, to get resentful, to get, to be restless, you know, and, and, uh, or on, on, uh, what what the heck is the word I'm looking for? You know, like not pleased, displeased. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea, the fundamental idea that's driving this behavior is the ego. The ego is looking for everybody to behave the way we want them to. The ego says that if everybody does what they're supposed, quote, end quote, supposed to do, should do, I'll be happy. Well, what's funny is that that's a lie. You know, in my experience, uh, there was times when things did go according to plan every once in a while when I was in my active addiction. and. I still, I mean, if it ain't one thing, it's another. And if you're the type of person that's going to focus on negative stuff, then you're just going to wasn't ha- enough. You right? always have something to focus on. hundred so percent. Even yeah. when things went perfectly by way, it still wasn't enough. Oh no. Yeah. And the ego demands more. The ego demands and demands and is never satisfied. Mine isn't right. Right. If I let it go unchecked, nothing's good enough 
not enough money, not enough um, notoriety, not enough respect, not enough uh, material wealth, right? Right. Not enough status, not enough friends, whatever it is, right? My ego left unchecked will continue to demand and demand and demand. Um, And I'll have periodic, you know, uh, moments of pleasure based on the desires of my ego, but those are very fleeting. Right, and and it don't last long. You know, it just don't. That's right. That is absolutely correct. And the next piece where the big book on page 73 and into action says, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep them to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbly experiencing, talking about step four and five, they have try, turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. They never took, they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does in his sprees. Coming to a sense he is revolted at certain episodes, he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As far as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension that makes for more drinking. Right. So that to me really, again, describes a, a big piece of how my ego played in my active addiction and active alcoholism, which was I kept up this front, this Jekyll and Hyde, front as the big book just talked about there right right? that i i I kept this facade to other people to the cub scout families and parents to the you know um uh to the school parents and families to my family and to anybody that i thought i could manage keeping up that facade that i uh, wasn't an addict and an alcoholic and that I was a, 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 a quote unquote normal person, right? You were a family man. Correct. And, That's and correct. A good, and a good guy. Correct. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know what? That's what I wanted to be. And that's what I tried to be. But I, but, but I had this sort of, um, uh, this malady, this madness that I couldn't contain. It was sort of like this monster that was inside of me that only could be, you know, kept at bay for a finite period of time, sometimes a little bit longer than others, but ultimately that this, this, this monster, this demon would come out in the form of my alcoholism and 
Um, I had no idea what it would, how it would manifest, when it would take control of me, and how it would uh, play out. Well, it's really hard to share things with others when, A, we build it up in our mind that it's going to be this catastrophic thing if people find out, which is 99% of the time bullshit. Most of the time, people are not going to be that shocked. Maybe they already had an idea or, you know, they've been through it or they've been dealing with somebody who's going through it. So, I mean, it's not, you know, you're not that unique, right? But we think that it's going to be this catastrophic thing and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt us to say it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard as hell to utter the words. And that bruises our ego because now we feel exposed and, you know, and now people see through it. And, you know, like you said earlier, you lose that, that, uh, status or whatever, you know, and, it's all about it's fear. The ego is driven and fueled by fear and insecurity. Fear Which of is losing kind of something a, that I already have or not getting something that I want, right? Which is Whether almost that be, like a paradox, too, if you totally. think about like in, the, in ego and the standards of like a inflated ego that you feel powerful and you feel um, better than and superior to others, yet you you have these secrets because then they'll know that you're not better. That you're or, you a know, fraud. Like, like you actually think that they think this way about you too, right? Like that you are better than them and that you are just Mr. Fucking perfect. Yeah. And <laughs> it's such a clash, right? Like fear and superiority don't, or fear and power don't seem like they would go together. But, but. And the more fear and the more insecurity I had about, myself as a as a person the more perfect i tried to come off as to other people the more superior i tried to come off as like you said that paradox right the worse i felt about myself the Mm -hmm. more i attempted to come off as perfect powerful superior and that was definitely the case for me i needed that 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 sort of uh, to offset sort of you know how awful I felt about myself and that does absolutely define the egomaniac with the inferiority complex. Right, right. Because in secret you're broken, but in like maybe it's work or for an example, it's work that you feel like you the fucking best there and they that place would fall apart without you totally and and so you start you know treating people at work like shit and and you you get your nose in the air and you're talking down to people because you're so much better than them and they need to hear it right because that's the only way they're going to get better and you know you're just like you're doing a favor treating too, these right? people yeah. like shit you know and and then yeah you go when you're alone you're just like I'm a piece of shit, you know, but nobody knows that. And, you know, that's, I think, how workaholics are born. It's like the only, like, escape from the real core issues that people have sometimes is that role they get to play at work or or when they're with this particular group of people or whatever it might be, you know. And it was interesting often in those moments, Jason, when it was just me within my own thoughts I would think if they only, if they really knew. (laughs) Right. 
right? If they really knew what a piece of shit I was, if they really knew that I went home and got completely obliterated every night, if they really knew that it was it's only a matter of time before I go on another bender and right. Lord knows what happens. If they really knew that I, you know, racked up X amount of DWIs or whatever it is, right? So uh, and those are the those are the things that the, this house cleaning that the big book talked about into into action steps four and five right it really releases us and frees us from that if they really knew who I really was fear right well because there's no there's no ability to question it anymore once you put yourself out there then they do know because you just told them and it takes all the power away <laughs> oh it dude all it's the power away. so much weight gets yeah. lifted off all of you. the power and you know what like look i had an experience with a cub scout dad who uh, came back from an, a trip for a year and change or a few years from another country didn't know i was in, uh, in recovery a recovering alcoholic um and um um, my boys didn't want to be in Cub Scouts anymore. It had actually nothing to do with me being an alcoholic or being in recovery. They just didn't dig it. They just didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, and I wasn't into forcing them after I got sober, right? So, um, <laughs> but he he had a he had a goofy ass response about it, right? But but in recovery and today, I don't have to own that. Like that, I know that's him and that's not me. And I and I don't have to carry that around. Uh, and I know that it was a judgmental response from him, right. uh, but he gets to own that, not me, right? That's that between mind. him and his higher power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that he wants to uh, uh, cast judgment on me. I, I have no judgment on myself about that. I, I'm, I know who I am. Right. Those experiences help shape you and your passions and your drive that you have today. Um, Absolutely. You know, and that, that's a gift if you know if you choose to see it as a gift and i think that once we that's why it's so critical critical that we do all these things that you know you were just reading about doing a house cleaning and getting right within yourself and with others and with god is such a freeing experience but it's hard work and it's gonna it's gonna hurt you know like the ego the ego is gonna be like ouchie but only at the beginning, you Only, know, when, yes. when you start Correct. to feel the, the positive effects that it has in your heart and in your mind and in your life, your daily walk, you're going to be like, you know what? Now, when I know this is going to be uncomfortable, I'm going to start to recognize that in a different way. I'm going to start to perceive that feeling as an opportunity for growth instead of, oh, this is going to suck or, oh, what are they going to think? You know, now, now I don't tend to think them ways anymore. Those egocentric ways where I'm convincing myself that I have to hold on to secrets and pain and I'm convincing myself that I can't open up to people or talk about what I'm struggling with. You know what I mean? Because what will they think of me? Right. And that's ego, right? And why is it like that our society raises us anyway to either, you know, to be a hundred percent independent, trust no one, you know, be the best that you can be at everything you do. It's like, why do we have to be the best? Why can't people, why can't we teach each other, teach our kids to, you know, be equals, like be part of this thing called life and all the people around you making a contribution. 
and and and, and like a meaningful contribution, having, right? Having relationships, you know, with people. A buddy of mine was talking about relationships the other day, and he was saying, you know, it's like, you know, for the most part, none of them are more important than another because it's it's all the same thing, you know. Trying to practice these principles in my daily walk, and I want to have honest, um, heartfelt communication with people and respect and you know mutual just like be on the same level playing field with people you know meet them where they're at and not and not look down on them and not and try not to let myself get so sick in the head where i think that i'm beneath them either Mm -hmm. you know and again that's that suffering arises from uh, our egos being out of whack, either uh, uh, too low or too high, right? And so we got to get right size. We got to get right size, and humility yes. and gratitude go a long way into right sizing our egos. And so yeah. those principles are things. So in my experience, it's very difficult to work on a negative or not doing something. Just don't do this. Just stop doing that. Ah, what do I do instead? I need to know what to do. I don't need yeah, to know what not to do. Yeah, we got to replace it with right. something. <laughs> tell me what I should be doing. Don't tell me what I shouldn't be doing. That doesn't help me, right? So right. what I should be doing and what what is helpful in terms of managing uh, my ego in a healthy way is gratitude and humility and I get through that I get that through my higher power. My higher power allows me to be humble, which again, let's define humility in this context is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking about ourselves less. Yeah, I love that one. Right. You so know, that's too, what I mean I'd by say, humility. I'd say through service too. Like if Absolutely. I'm, if, if no matter what I'm going through and if it's something that I'm feeling stuck on, um, and that could be, you know, an oversized or an undersized ego issue in the moment. You know, who cares what it is? Like, that's not the important point. But, you know, I got to just, if I can get out and help somebody else, if I can work with someone else um, in any way, you know, it doesn't even have to be like recovery related, but, you know, just get helping someone else somehow, some way is a great great way to suddenly feel your problems melt away if only for a little while it might be but i mean sometimes we just need that little reprieve you know like sometimes i just need a little breather from that feeling to feel a lot better you know what i mean because if it hangs if i hang on to negativity too long then it becomes overwhelming so i mean and i think really that's kind of almost the same answer you know like you said higher power but some people aren't there yet right with the higher power but i know that when i'm working with others in some aspect anyway that god works in my life through other people so if i'm sharing my story or you know talking about my problems or i'm willing to listen to somebody share theirs and i can use some season of my life to to relate to their experience maybe then that is higher power at work and you, but you may not know that, but I'm here to tell you like, that's if you, even if you're not there with the higher power, like service work, being there for other people, helping them out, helping pick them up or just being there to listen is totally higher power shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if ego is self, then getting out of self 
vis-a-vis service work or being right. of service is a way to right-size our ego, right? Because yeah. then we're, we're not focused on ourselves 100% of the time, right? Amen. You know? So ego has a lot to do with step one, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, in Psychology Today, actually had a great write-up, and I'm going to read from some of that now regarding, you know, many of the ways ego interferes with our being able to take the first step in recovery. Uh, and uh, so let's talk about why ego, um, about ego, why it can't, can be so destructive in blocking the path to our sobriety. Each of us needs and should have a healthy ego, feeling good about who we are, how we look, how we feel, and what we've accomplished are important emotional and psychological building blocks to having a full, healthy life. However, in all the years, this psychologist has been dealing with addicts and alcoholics came up with six concepts of why an alcoholic's ego can thwart the track toward a healthy beginning to recovery. Number one, the addict or alcoholic staunchly believes there is no problem with his or her alcoholic intake and to mind your own business or blames the other person for their drinking. You're the problem, not me. I don't (laughs) have a problem. The only problem is you won't get off my case. Yeah. I drew the short straw. This is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you weren't, if you weren't so this, and if you weren't so, right? Yep. Two, the alcoholic contends they have a problem with alcohol, but they can take care of the issue themselves by themselves. Yeah. That's the worst, one of the worst manifestations. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I get it. I know. Yeah. I know. And you know what? I'm on it. So back the fuck off. (laughs) And, let me take care of it and then you don't do anything because guess what you just shut out any accountability correct out of your life correct and it belies the fundamental nature of my disease which is i am powerless over it right and without help it is too much for me (laughs) yeah like ego says no no i got this what are you talking about I, I, i got this I still got a couple ideas. 100%. <laughs> Which is actually rooted in fear for me. This shit is so real, though. It's so real. It was so I rooted mean, in fear for me because really the underlying fear was I can't live without it. Right. Right? And I, I was terrified of what would become of me sans <laughs> alcohol. I was terrified of it. Yeah. And so... What? But how it came out of my mouth was, no, I got this. I got this. Right. Okay? I can manage this. Or like at at church today, the message was called, I'm fine. And it it was literally like, no, you're not. You know? (laughs) And like, why do do we all walk around trying to act? Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and... Something else, right? And emotional. And emotional. But, <laughs> but I heard another one today in a 
in my continued education class for Stephen ministry, we were talking about grief and this lady lost her husband. She was a widow and she spoke for us for a little bit and she gave us an acronym for fine. And she basically said it stood for failing in nearly everything. Yeah. 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 And, and it was like, she said that we'll get so locked in our mind or whatever, you know, in, in the grief in that instance that, it, it starts to mess with your head and the depression kicks in and the isolation and you, you start to feel like a burden. So then that shame won't let you share with people. And it, she said, then it will begin to manifest itself in that way where you literally feel like you're failing in nearly everything. Sure. And I, and I was like, I can relate to that. You know, I never heard that before. That was a good one. So now I shared it with all you folks. Number three, the alcoholic doesn't take responsibility for any of the irresponsible or out of control behavior that their drinking has incurred, or if he or she has a myriad of excuses for such incident, <laughs> it's all y'all's fault, right? Or, or it's just like justifying it, you know, like, like yeah, 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 I did that, but you know, da 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 da, like trying to explain their side so you'll see it their way, you know. Absolutely. Same fucking difference because mm-hmm. then they don't ever have to like admit they did anything wrong. And I was guilty of doing that um, recently. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, nobody's ever going to be perfect at any of these or all I've of the. Blamed all of them. my drinking on my ex so many times. Well, if you <laughs> weren't such a, you know what? Yeah. I would have to drink so much. If you, you weren't driving. constantly on my case. I wouldn't have to drink so much. You drive me to drink. Insane. Yeah, you drive me to drink. My mom used to say that shit to me when I was a teenager. You drive me to drink, right? Yep. And that is patently false, but that's a great way to be able to deflect responsibility. Oh, yeah, I'd look at her dead in the eyeball and be like, yeah, right, whatever. You'd be fucking drinking anyway. Fuck you, and I'd leave. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, Come totally. back three days later. Yeah. I put my mom through a lot of shit, dude. Once I, once I didn't have to take care of my brother and sister anymore, and I started partying, it was on. And I, I lost. It was like I think that I was building up a lot of – I lost a lot of respect for her over the years. So when I started partying, I couldn't even contain the shit no more. It was right. like I would just blow up at my mom about stuff you know and looking back it's kind of sad too right because i was doing the same shit that she was doing but i thought that i was superior to her because i of course you know took care of, of my brother and sister and she was messed up you know but i was a kid so what do you do it was just the beginning of just um, the beginning man yeah number four the alcoholic is angry resentful and or belligerent that they are quote in trouble may have to do something about their actions. Yeah. Number five, the alcoholic decides to participate in a recovery program, but will not first attend detox, go to a 12 step meeting or 12 step meeting, seek counseling or in essence, pick and choose the recovery path as it suits them committing right. willy nilly is good enough and shows effort, right? Not. And that's funny too, because I will say this, dude, if you're willing 
to do all the things suggested to you and more, you know, like, cause the person who really wants this is going to probably be doing, looking at other methods of recovery or, you know, other things that they might feel they need, you know, maybe professional help or whatever. But, you know, if you're willing to try all of that stuff, um, then you may be able to, re, you know, reduce it down to the stuff that was the for most sure. effective for you. But if you come you. out the outset and say, well, I'll do this, but not this. I'll do this, yeah. but not this. I'll do that, but not this. What that means is you're no not willing to do whatever it takes to get better. No That's willingness, no, no open-mindedness because right. you already think you know something, you right. know? Right. Like you freaking, are you a fortune teller, dude? No, you're not. <laughs> and that's sort of holding reservations and in saying, you know, um, I get it. I'll do this because I think I have to for any number of reasons, because my wife's going to divorce me or my parents are going to kick me out or right. whatever that the case may be. So we're willing to do just enough to get people off my back. You know how many times, dude, I've heard somebody say, the steps don't work for me. Right. And then <laughs> and then we'll start, I'll just start asking some questions, you know, try to learn some more. And it always, in very, literally every time I've heard that come out of somebody's mouth, except for maybe one time, they've never did the steps. So how do you know that 12 steps don't work if you never even fucking work the steps, you know? Right. <laughs> like you might, you might not think that that's an ego thing, an ego trip going on, but it totally is. Because totally if you is. think that you're that fucking smart, like you know something that you're talking about, something that you know nothing about, like you know something about it. Absolutely. Now do uh, a gut check. Now do a gut that, check and see if that's you. You know, because right. maybe you're listening to this and this is you. You did this. Or you maybe you did it yesterday. Maybe you did it last year. Whatever. But yeah, gut check yourself, man, because you don't know unless you try. And if you ain't never did it, then don't walk around poisoning the well and putting that in other people's heads at meetings or fellowship events or wherever you're at your job and talking shit about something that you know nothing about, you know, because this saves lives. It really does. And you're robbing somebody of the opportunity if you're planting that kind of a seed in their mind, you know what I mean? Or your own mind for that matter. The big book refers to it as contempt prior to investigation. Yeah. And to indicate that the steps don't work for you if you haven't earnestly worked all of the steps in order to the best of your ability with a sponsor, then I would submit that you haven't worked the steps. And I didn't either right. the first two attempts at recovery by the way and well, I, I think also a lot of people they work it on the wall right they they totally. read it on the wall so totally. now that means they worked it 100% and and I think we really believe that shit you know absolutely. I did it too I did it too absolutely but, you know, absolutely if you um if your program consists of wall steps then you're going to have an off the wall program <laughs> what the Jason very good my yeah. friend Mm -hmm. I never heard, I don't, maybe I have heard that, but it's been a while. That was good though. And last but not least, we participate in a residential program, but we don't complete it because we decide, A, we've had enough and now have the problem under control. Oh yeah. Or B, the people running the program are a bunch of morons. Or C, we can't relate to anyone there. 
and are certainly we're not going to talk about our personal issues with any of those people mm. or D the other attendees have serious problems and they're nothing like me. Therefore I don't belong here. I don't know about you, dude, but when I'm hearing somebody else talk about their problems and it legit makes me feel like I, my problems are so small and it makes me feel silly for like be having such a hard time with something I've been dealing with recently. I like that shit. Like I'll take more of that. Uh, that's totally. just me. Totally. But every single one of those examples you just gave too were like so ego, you know, <laughs> and, di and different manifestations of right. how the ego can show up, you know, like disqualifying myself from the people in the room, you know, judging people for doing a poor job that are in service commitments when I don't even have a fucking service commitment, you know, stuff like that. Think about it. No doubt. The bottom we, line, I think I think a lot of times, dude, if people can hear a conversation like this taking place and it, maybe they go to a meeting tonight or next week and they might catch themselves in judgment on somebody. I, I really think that that happens where, you know, maybe somebody may just hear it, be, overhear it, you know, people talking about something like this and then that can help. That can end up being one of those things that just sticks with them, you know, and like really helps them figure this thing out and get recovery. Absolutely. The I bottom hope. line is that the prevailing ego of the alcoholic is blocking the admission of and submission that life has spun out of control. It seems that it's a sign of weakness for someone to admit that they have a problem and need help, desperate help in getting their life back on track. This psychologist has told families that when the alcoholic in their life says to them they will do whatever it takes period to get clean and sober not just whatever it takes but not just this or that then that will be the first honest step toward a healthy recovery right no yeah, reservations I, right i'll just gotta be like show me like i think that was the only thing that was different dude but for me this time was that I literally had no faith in myself anymore. And I that's that ego, right? So it's I funny. needed help and I, and I needed you to show, you know, show me how and, and people in the program showed me what's up. And I, I just kept following directions, man. I didn't even let do my own thinking for well over a year before I started thinking, man, I can probably field some of these like decision-making opportunities on my own now in life, you know, like that took a long fucking time to get there, but you can still stay clean one day at a time, you know, as long as that ego is smashed and you, you stop thinking that you got, you can figure it out or you can handle it or whatever. <laughs> when I think about previous attempts at recovery and how my ego was at play in those attempts at recovery. First attempt at recovery, age 15 or 16. Really? That young? Yep. Uh, was my first treatment. And my ego was in full effect and absolutely out of control to the extent that not only did I have no illusion that I wanted to quit drinking or drugging at that particular moment because 
literally it was the answer. I had just found it like a couple of years ago. Like I'm going to give it up. <laughs> Are you kidding? Right. But so stupid. I thought I had everybody <laughs> snowed because I'm waxing poetic about recovery and the 12 steps. Right. Mm. My ego was in full effect run absolutely wild and bonkers until Eileen had treatment counselor at my graduation when everybody's telling me I'm going to stay sober forever and ever <laughs> interrupts the circle and says, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to this group. You're lying to me. You're going to use again and it's probably going to kill you and wow. drops the mic and walks out. Right. And it was, she did a tremendous job of cutting right through that ego, right through that delusion that I had everybody snowed, that I had this all under control and that it was all good. And I couldn't wait to get back to drinking and using again. Right. Right. And she looked at, she, she cut straight through all that bullshit and it haunted me for fucking years until I sobered up at age 36 and another attempt at age 20 and off of a DWI. And again, the same old tricks. I didn't work any steps. I waxed poetic about steps and I kind of wanted the consequences to go away, but I certainly didn't want any of the drinking to go away because I'll right. tell you what, my ego was affecting me different there. My ego at that point was saying, you still need this. You can still manage this. This is still something that you not only need in your life, but you kind of have to have. And you can manage this. Now that you know these things that they told you in these meetings, you can manage it now because you're a big shot. You're a big deal. You're really smart. You're smarter than all these knuckleheads. Um <laughs> And you got this. You don't have to sit around in a in a smoky, you know, a church basement and um, you know talk about how it sucks not to drink anymore. You can drink successfully. <laughs> you right. can do this successfully. That's how my ego was playing in the second attempt, quote unquote, attempt at recovery. And by the time. My third and final, hopefully, <laughs> day at a time, attempt at recovery rolled around at age 36. All of that had been smashed, right? Mm -hmm. I, had, I had no illusion that uh, alcohol was good for me, that my addiction was good for me, and I had fully conceded that, yes, indeed, I am an alcoholic. I am, I am powerless. and. Uh, if I don't get help, um, this could end up real bad, real fucking quick. And so, you know, um, and that was the opposite piece. That was the, the surrender. And that was the, 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 um, recognition of how unmanageable my life had become and was when I drank and used. Right and how powerless I was once I put it in my body. Yeah. Right? Yeah, man. I, I can uh, tell you, when I, when I put myself in treatment in 2008, that was my first time going 
except when I was like 16, I got sent to Anthony Lewis Center and I ran away like three hours after I got there. So I never really counted that. But yeah, man, I went there and I mean, I wanted help, but I think that it's so true that we need to completely smash our ego that we need to completely surrender to this simple program of action and follow suggestions that are given to us, whether we like them or not, whether we understand them or not. And if we can do that, then we'll be well on our way because I, I went there and I really didn't want to get higher drink anymore. I really wanted to change, but I couldn't get out of my own judgments of the people in those meetings to ever I never allowed myself to like connect with the people in them rooms in small groups. I felt a little sparks of connection sometimes uh, in the conversations that were being had, you know, but then the meeting's over and it's like done. <laughs> That's that moment's yep. done. It's gone. Um, I never, I could, I wouldn't stop talking to people, places and things. There's so many ingredients, you know, and as far as suggestions go that will be given to us, through the course of especially early recovery, those, those launching off points, they're all so vital. And if you're too proud to do any one of them, I would venture to say that that's danger, dangerous ground to be on, you know, that that could be the one thing that, that Achilles heel, that straw that breaks the camel's back, you know, that missing that one essential ingredient could cost you a chance at this life you know, at, at real recovery, at happy, joyous, and free, at purpose living, you know, living a purposeful life, all these things that we get, you know, free gifts given to us for free by people who got it freely given to them, you know, but if we're not willing to really give ourselves to it, and that's what I am, I wasn't, I never was. I went to 11 inpatients, bro, from 2008 to 2000. 15 or 16 2016 and never it never worked and it was funny that last one worked but that only worked i was already working a program i had surrendered to the program but i was facing the court case and those of you that know my story i had to go back to treatment to appease the judge because i didn't finish all follow-up recommendations when i went in 2015 so i was clean already at that point and living this this recovery dream that we talk about on the show a lot, but I didn't know that even existed for me. I always, I always let something squander it. And you know, you're, you're talking about your experience and you were just like, no, you know, and like you shut down all that shit. I, I literally wanted to do almost everything. Almost all the times that I went to treatment, I, mm. there was usually like only one or two little pieces that I wouldn't be willing to do in each individual stint and maybe they changed or varied. But I think a lot of times it was, it was the, you know, you can't hang out, talk to be around those friends anymore. I could never fucking do it. I felt like I'd be a traitor or hypocrite, you know? And, and maybe that to me would have been a something that would have hurt my self-esteem or my ego. If I felt that I did, you know, somehow I was obligated or responsible to, continue to talk to these people because they're you know my friends they're my family or whatever and somebody told me one day you know what you can love them but you just love them from a distance till you learn to love yourself absolutely and and it made it so simple for me to finally do it the one thing that was always 
my stumbling block every fucking time. I would end up sitting in a room full of people, you know, passing around bubbles or drinking or passing around blunts or whatever the case may be, you know, and then I'd slip in like a situation like that. And then I, before you know it, I'd be like, this is who I really want to go see what they're up to. And I'd be over at somebody who banged dope's house, you know, and then I'm sitting there watching them shoot up and I'm trying to, you know, like we talked about earlier, tell myself that I can do this and not get high. I can sit in this room. Like if I, if I'm going to be sober, then I'm going to be sober and it shouldn't matter where I'm at or what I'm doing or who I'm around, you know, that's so that's all ego right there. Like, fuck, you must think really highly of yourself. You read enough of this literature. Once you get into recovery, you start to realize that, wow, you know, like every piece of literature says like, we can do this together. We cannot do this alone. We don't recover by ourselves. You know, we need to build a new community around ourselves, (laughs) you know, so we have accountability and support and healthy shit around us we can't be going back to the trap house you know or the bar and expect to stay clean the reality is is that ego says i can do that that's right and ego says you could do it but it 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 defies what we know is human nature which is we will become the amalgamation of the people that we hang around with most bottom line we hang around a lot of people that are doing really positive things and are in recovery and serious about their sobriety and want to become uh, better people. Well, that's what we're going to likely do too. And if we are around a bunch of people who are stuck in their disease and are drinking and using, it's going to be a matter of time. That we're going to do the same thing. That's yeah. human nature. Bottom line, and your I, I don't ego know how wants many to tell times, you that you can do I it. Hit it. I, I've hit it and not even thought about it. You know, like so many times in the past, like because I was hanging out there, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe I was hanging out and it was just weed and drinks going on, and I was good because I could smell it, right? And that smells good. But then all of a sudden, somebody busts out a bubble. I was high before I realized I fucked up. Yep. You know what I mean? It's an automatic response that we have. We, you know, to think that you have any control over that is such a blatant lie to yourself. And it, I get it. I told myself them lies, you know? <laughs> and when you say you tell yourself those lies, it's interesting because that's all ego, right? So in right. order to, in order to, drink and use after my disease began to progress. And it didn't really take all that long, right? In the beginning, it was like, oh my God, I found this switch. And when I drink, I can drink a whole bunch and it feels bleeping amazing. And when I use, I can use a whole bunch and it feels really amazing. I just happened upon my addict and alcoholic switch. And when I was young, I embraced them. I loved them. It was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, baby, this is great, right? And as my disease progressed and I began to realize that that switch was going to go on whether I wanted it to go on or not. And sometimes I didn't and it didn't matter. It still went on. And as a good friend in the program says, once he has a drink, 
all that goes inside that body from there on out is Bud Light, right? Nothing else, right? <laughs> um, and that's the way it was for me. Yeah. So two things, two alternate truths would materialize in my active alcoholism and addiction. Number one, my, my unmanageability and the unmanageability of my disease would manifest itself in one way or the other in the form of a lost relationship, a DWI, a, um, a blackout, and you know, whatever consequence. Okay? That was the one truth. The other truth was I couldn't stay sober for any meaningful length of time by myself without a solution, okay? So I've got these two alternating truths. But every time I went back to using because I couldn't sober well, I would have to lie to myself. And I'd have to lie and say, it's okay. Right. It's okay that you're using. It's okay that you're drinking. It will be different this time, right? And then I'd have to, I'd have to lie to myself before I could lie to anybody else. For sure. And then I would, and then I would lie. And then I, once I was convinced enough, once I convinced myself enough mm -hmm. that it was okay, then I could start convincing other people that it was okay. Yeah, because you, your lies aren't believable unless you believe them. That's correct. Yeah, and and, and so I guess if there's a takeaway, man, I'd say don't. Just be careful listening to the shit that goes on in your head, you know, like if you're because the ego or or like I'd even venture to say like the devil sometimes it can be really convincing because he's not they don't it don't sound like some weird, crazy voice telling me this shit. It sounds it's like my, you. It's my voice That's and right. it sounds rational and it sounds, you know, like a legit. It makes sense. Um, yeah, it, it sounds very logical and rational and it makes sense to me hazel then in the in their famous video series calls it slick right oh yeah call, slick in the back that's right <laughs> yep i Love call it. it chuck my alter you know my alter ego you know and chuck's yeah. like hey <laughs> you've been doing pretty good chuck you don't you don't probably have to go to those meetings anymore because you've been doing so good Right. And then right. you skip a few meetings and my ego says, <laughs> you know what? It wasn't those meetings that were keeping you sober this whole time. It was you. You're pretty good at this. Yeah. And, and shit, they've been telling you that you're powerless, but I beg to fucking differ. Yeah. I think you got a lot of fucking power. In fact, your power kept you sober. And if you've got the power to stay sober, well, fuck. You could probably have a drink. Right? Isn't that weird? <laughs> Dude, now, I don't know about any of you guys out there, but when I hear him tell that story, right? Like, it's sad because there's two sides of the coin. One, I'm thinking that shit sounds ridiculous. Yes, right. Totally. But on the other side of the coin, I'm thinking, wow, I can really relate to that. And I've done that, done it to myself so many times, you know, and it's easy to do a lot easier than you think. So uh, community, man, stay connected, always have people who know where you're at, what you're going through so that you have accountability in your life. You know, you can't, 
it's a lot harder to say yes to the ego when it crops in your head like that. Uh, it's a lot harder if other people are around you on a regular basis, you know? Absolutely. And the bottom line was, you know, in terms of step one, I was petrified of what my life would be like without drugs and alcohol. Yeah, and I and, and, and the person that I would become, and I was terrified <clears throat> you wouldn't want anything to do with me sober and that I couldn't live with myself sober. Right. I was terrified of it. My ego was telling me that. This, dude. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the only thing that makes life fun. That's right. That's Stupid. correct. Because yep. you so, you have fun in recovery, man. You have yep. so much. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. The life I live today is uh, is pretty spectacular. So I wouldn't trade it. Dude, we got we got some uh, comments from the Sober and Serious community. Did you know that? Let's hear it. Yeah. yeah uh, Time now to hear what the Sober and Serious community says about this week's topic. Every week, we share select responses to the weekly show topic, which is posted every Wednesday as the topic of the day on Sober and Serious on Facebook. Your experience, strength, and hope continue to amaze and inspire. So keep up the great work, you guys. Uh, so my topic was, are you still, by the way, Jason, on a social media break? I am. Good for you, man. It's been almost like two weeks now. That's fantastic. You know, the first few days, I know last time, I think I was just like, I was kind of like on the fourth or something day. So I was like, it was still hard, but really, dude, after the first few days, it's like I could really care less now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I Maybe it's, I, I just think that I need it needed a break i'm not like planning on staying off of it i mean i like i like using it uh you know to promote the show i like using it to try to spread um you know positivity yeah and use it as a positive tool like because before all my facebook was was like you know drugs ladies you know sex and and like dirty jokes and stuff and now it's like all this positive stuff and recovery stuff and Christian stuff and, and hope, you know, just massive hope all out there. And I love it. You know, being so tied in with like sober and serious and, and with this show and, and our listening community that's on our Facebook page and all that stuff. Absolutely. All these places that are in one place, Facebook. I mean, it can be a positive thing. I just think that my, my problem was like, I was getting way too in my head um, with, you know, going through this recovery of my surgery and stuff. And it was like, I was just so depressed, man. And I was getting like locked into the phone shit. And it was me, it was making my correspondence with people that I care about suffer. You know, I was, I just wasn't present. I just kind of like was in the room physically, but like I wasn't there and I needed to take the break. So I'm glad I'm doing it, but yeah, so this will all be, uh, virgin ears here in these statements that you're going to read. There you go, man. So the topic of the day was, there's a lot of sayings about recovery, cautioning us about our egos. Let's hear your favorites. CSB, and we use initials too. Protect the innocent. That's correct. Your ego is not your... Your amigo. <laughs> in, I like, I, like the, I like the saying, although I would say to that, 
that our egos can be our amigos if they are right-sized. Hey, I like that. That's a very empowering thing to say. Thank you, Charles. TN says, there is a God and you ain't it. Well, that's, like that. True that. <laughs> Word. Mm-hmm. G-O says, ego, easing God out. Mm-hmm. Living in the solution and allowing God in. And there's another one, too, edging God out, right? right. Same, same thing. Yeah, same thing. And I do like that, though, because isn't that, I mean, I, the deeper I think about it and, like, the different ways that my ego can show up, um, yeah, it's and we ta- we just talked about so many examples, and they're all, uh, a lot of them surrounded with the idea that, you know, I'm better now, or I I can do this myself, or I you know, I got this. So it's like, you know, it's not thinking that I need the help of a higher power. It's thinking that I I got only this. only need my own power because I'm so powerful. And it's mm-hmm. like no, absolutely you're not. It, it, you're not. And <laughs> really, we talk about ego and uh, also in the context of that self-seeking and that self-centeredness to the extreme and being self absorbed and self-involved and and when i admired in self then i am that is a complete block spiritually yeah and in order to get connected i need to get out of self which is the opposite of being egocentric right, right? i need to help others i need to be thinking i need to be other centered and that invites that connection to the god of my understanding which allows me to be of service and allows me to um uh introduce the all important uh, principles of gratitude and humility right and i mean like on my end over here i i i was like thinking about when you were talking about that like even because you were, you had pointed out earlier in the show, you know, if it's oversized or it's undersized, right? And like when mine with this surgery and it started messing with my head, um, it, it started subtle and it went on for a while. And then everything emotionally, mentally, spiritually, even for me, started feeling very out of control, like a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and it's caused a lot of problems, right? Um, in, in my relationships. And so I, I've been doing this last week, week and a half. I've really been getting connected again. I reached out to a number of individuals that I really trust that I, that, you know, I look up to and that I know have my best interest at heart. I've been, I picked a new home group and and it, all this in a very short period of time. And like, I'm feeling so much better, dude. And it's, you know, it would be easy to be like, okay, I'm good now. You know, but no, (laughs) if anything, it's like, I was kind of thinking it's silly because we hear the story so much, that same story. And, you know, really it comes to resting on our laurels, you know, and getting complacent because we feel okay. And and we, we, you know, all that shit, it's dangerous. And I mean, sometimes that can happen to you if you do it on your own choices. And sometimes it can happen if you, you know, on accident, but Either way, it doesn't matter how I got here. Here I am, right? But just to show, you know, once I got out of my head and actually got around other people, it took care of like 80% of itself. And now, you know, things are doing way better with my relationships, with me, within myself. And that's 
because I got out of myself and I stopped thinking so fucking much and sitting around and isolating and being depressed, you know? Speaking of getting out of oneself, Buddy got out of his self and called into the show. You only, that was all the uh, comments you had? For it's time. Well, that was yeah. it. Take some calls from the way out podcast listening audience. If you want to call the show, you can call 218-382-1960 and leave us a message on the current week's topic. Your calls make a real difference. So we here at the way out podcast extend a heartfelt thank you for your contribution. So let's bring on the calls. So Buddy called in. Thank you, Buddy, for calling in. And, you know, who better really uh, uh, – Buddy now has two passion projects going on simultaneously. Uh, I wonder how he has time for his day job. But I don't – you know what? Um, uh, bless you, brother, because I started listening to the meditations. We'll talk about that in a second. So let's listen to your call. And I want to talk about a couple of passion projects Buddy's working on um uh, that have a whole lot to do uh with recovery so it's really cool what he's got going on um it'll be probably just as cool as his voicemail right <laughs> yes hey guys buddy c talk calling about ego um gosh it's such a huge topic <laughs> it is. i think about the acronym ego easing god out Bing, bing, bing. That really, I know it's very simple and kind of hokey sometimes, but it really, for me, it really is because everything either comes from love or fear. Fear is really the only tool my ego has to move or motivate me. I'm always, if it's my egos involved, there's some fear behind it. It's always fear. And really, this is, this whole life is about learning to be motivated by love instead of fear, surrendering those fears, getting rid of that, and having a love-motivated life. Course in Miracles has really helped me and continues to help me with that. I've just scratched the surface on learning. I know enough to talk about it, not enough to really live it and everything yet, but um, I'm on my way. But good stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's comments. Y'all have a great day. Good night, everybody. Thanks, that's it. That's all we need. That's the whole – that's the whole – way out podcast in a nutshell now uh, is that he just uh synopsized in one minute didn't he i think he plugged a book there too a course in miracles a tremendous book i highly recommend it so maybe we could throw that in the show notes absolutely and so and plug and plug whatever these things are i know about the tower of our understanding podcast but yep, what's so this other one, one the tower of our understanding um and then um so the Tao of our understanding is the one. And then the second one is sober meditations, right? And yeah. he, it's a really neat project. Uh, there's five, 10, and 20-minute meditations on uh, specific recovery topics and uh, aspects of recovery, whether it be letting go or whether it be uh, resentments or whatever. And it's uh, it gui is, guided meditations. It's guided by buddy? meditations by Buddy, by Buddy, and soon uh, to be more. I like his voice, dude. I know, I He's got too. that cool, like mellow, like Southern draw. Totally. Yeah, you sound good, Buddy. <laughs> yeah. And so check it out, sobermeditations.com. 
and mm. you can tap into five, ten, or twenty, or yeah, five, ten, or twenty minute meditations, guided meditations, really focused on breath, and then mm. um, allowing you to have a particular idea in recovery that you're centered around in that meditation. So really helpful if you're struggling with a particular aspect of recovery that you can tap into a, a particular meditation and really get deep in, deep on it. Um, you know what I usually do? Because I do guided meditation sometimes, but it's generally it's only if the rat race in my head won't stop that incessant chatter, you know, and like yeah. I can't and I can't sleep, which doesn't happen all that often now, but it did a lot when I was like in the first year, I'd say yeah, a sure. lot. I just couldn't go to fucking sleep, but then I was tired all day, but then I couldn't fall asleep. And those things doing guided meditations was super helpful for me um, to just lay down, you know, turn it on, put it next to your, you know, body on the bed or on your nightstand or whatever, and just get as comfortable as you can, man. And then just, they tell you everything, you know, how to relax and what muscles to relax and like how to breathe. And they, you know, they walk you through the process. So you don't even have to know how to meditate. Give it a try. I shit you not. I'll always fall asleep before I finish whatever meditation I pick. I don't think I've ever gotten all the way to the end of one. <laughs> There's no right or wrong way to meditate. There's some guidelines that you can follow that are helpful, but just meditation is a practice. Right. And I think that's why so it's so we daunting to, for people right. too, you know? Right. So we just practice it and you're just trying to find what works for you in meditation. And really it's more, the meditative practice is really more about the process of just letting things flow and go. And that is an important tool in life to let things flow and go. So if you're meditating on a regular basis, which I'm starting to do now, I can use that throughout my days when there are times that I want to, you know, um, honk and flick off a driver, I can let go. <laughs> uh, you know um and so there it's a it's a, a useful tool in recovery for sure um one of the things buddy mentioned that i want to highlight again before we wrap the show is that we're either acting out of fear which is, drives our ego or we're acting out of love which right. is driven by a spiritual connection and the more I can act out of love and the less I can act out of fear the more I am in line with the will of the God of my understanding yeah and that's what I'm trying to do here every day I'm trying to get as close as I can to being aligned with the will of the God of my understanding yeah. and if I'm acting out of love I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing that Right. I'm getting I'm, I, that's that's where my higher power wants me to be. But if I'm acting out of ego, I'm acting out of fear, fear of losing something that I already have or fear of not getting something that I want. Yeah. Bottom yeah. line. And today. 
I would much rather act out of love than be chased by fear. Amen, dude. That's that's pretty good. I like how you worded that too. So, great show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the episode. One thing I thought of, and this is just going to blow your minds, but before we, before we wrap, is ego is so difficult to be aware of at times that it's like, you know, fish being aware of water, right? It's right. just so ubiquitous that it can be difficult to understand how um, – embedded it is into our experience um, on a daily basis. But when we become aware of our egos, it's a part of this awakening that we have in, in, in our spiritual lives. And we all of a sudden realize that we've been acting out of this ego and that if I connect to a higher power that I can help right size that ego and, um, reduce and eliminate my suffering and um, right. get in line with my higher power. Yep. Stop trying to maintain an image and start getting honest and your ego will get right size real quick too. No <laughs> doubt about I mean? it. Absolutely. Thank you everybody in Way Out Podcast Land for listening and we will talk to you next time. Peace. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.